You're listening to the Woman Power Zone podcast with host Ariel Hubbard, empath, energy worker, and massage therapist who shares secrets and stories of women's empowerment, learned from over 32 years of working in holistic healing arts and talking with thousands of women about their amazing life stories. If you are seeking ways to grow, pivot, heal, and up-level your life, you are in the right place. Here is your host, Ariel Hubbard. Welcome to Woman Power Zone. Today we feature Laura Ledoux, cybersecurity expert. Cybersecurity is a major issue. Currently, 2 million Washingtonians are exposed to potential identity theft. And if you don't know what RIFD wallets are, API keys, two-factor authentication, or the bank statement rule, you definitely need to listen to this episode. Welcome to Woman Power Zone, a safe space for learning, growing, healing, and empowerment. Today, we have Laura Ledoux, cybersecurity professional, security risk and compliance consultant as our guest. Laura, we are so excited to have you here with us today. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Ariel. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Me too, because I've known you for several years and you have a lot of knowledge and experience I've known you for what, 10 years, but you have a lot of knowledge and experience that you can share with us today. And I'm excited about this episode. So I'm just going to lead in with a little introduction for everybody, because why should we be aware of cybersecurity? So having our data stolen and compromised is a serious issue to all of us. In the past five years alone, everybody, hundreds of millions of people have had their private information stolen, which could lead to serious consequences like identity theft, financial theft. Just last summer, last August, T-Mobile was hacked and 50 million people had their personal information stolen. And literally in the month of, I think it was February, uh, the attorney general for the state of Washington put out a warning to everybody to let them know, hey, 2 million of you have had your information stolen, so you might want to watch out for identity theft. Equifax also had data stolen from hundreds of millions of people. Um, that were in their database. And many other companies, uh, hospitals, all kinds of places have had their data stolen. With the war in the Ukraine, uh, Biden recently, President Biden recently, like a few days ago, said to the major U.S. companies, hey, a cyber attack is coming. So be careful and prepare. So it's an issue. It's an issue. Even the Department of Licensing. So a lot of us who have business licenses, if we're entrepreneurs, the Department of Licensing in the state of Washington was hacked. They've got our addresses, a lot of personal information. So the likelihood that your data has already been stolen is high or will be stolen is also extremely high. So it's more important to protect our data. So Laura, you created a series on YouTube about data protection. And I was just wondering about some of the suggestions you had made when we use apps or sites online. You had suggested that we set our privacy settings and turning off our location when using apps or programs. Could you teach us a little bit more about why that's important, why we should pay attention to that? Sure, thanks. That's a great question. So the the first part of regulation of privacy settings is self-regulation. A lot of users don't understand the tools that they have at their own fingertips to enhance their own privacy and security. So what I like to do is help people and and by people and users, I'll use those terms interchangeably, a user, simply anyone that's using a phone, an app, a website, whatever it is to access something electronically where you might transmit your data. 
So the user has a lot of tools at their disposal that can help to protect that. First and foremost, you wanna turn off location settings in your phone. Now, because of laws that have happened in the last couple of years, all of the operating systems, whether you have an Android phone, a Google phone, uh, iPhone, whatever it is, there are settings where you can only allow location to be transmitted when you're using an app. So that means you can have it off as your permanent setting in your phone. But let's say if you're using your GPS to go somewhere, it will say allow access and you say yes only when using the app. So that's one really quick and easy way to do it. Secondly, apps uh, track your location if you allow them to, like Facebook, Instagram. You know, people like to check in and share with people where they're going, what they're doing. All of those tags let people know where you are. And moreover, they let you know that they let the world know that you're not at home. So if people know where you live, if you have a home-based business or something like that, then they know that you're no longer there. Hey everybody, if you're loving this show and you want to make a difference, please go to Apple Podcast Ratings and give the show a five-star rating. Thanks so much. It's appreciated. Another way that you can protect yourself is to ensure that you turn off location settings on your photos. Most people don't understand that a lot of times the default setting is to have a geotag. A geotag tells your location on all the photos that you take. So whenever I get a new phone, the first thing I do is turn off location settings globally in the phone. And then I go to my photo app and make sure that geotags are turned off on every photo. Otherwise, that will automatically tag it. Ooh, another point. way go ahead no i'm just saying that's a good point i didn't even think about the pictures a lot of people don't yeah another way that you can protect yourself and that i really protect myself um, is to have separate accounts for my business and personal if i have a business that i promote via social media like facebook or instagram i have a specific account for my business and a separate account for personal my personal account is locked down meaning that only friends of friends can even request to be friends with me everything that i post is private the only thing that people can see is basically my profile picture my cover photo and maybe a small blurb about who I am. There's no contact information available to me. And that's where I post fun things if I'm off on vacation or things like that, because that list of friends is vetted and they're people that I know and trust. For my business account, um, you know, I, I post there more selectively if I'm out of town, because I've had home-based businesses in the past. Now I work for a consulting company. I'm no longer self-employed. But in the past, I've had home-based businesses and a select number of clients had my contact information. And it and so then that that selection is much different. And I'm not going to post when I'm on vacation on that business account or things like that, because then that list of people that is not my vetted close list of friends can see that I'm out of town and that perhaps my home is vacant. Another thing to do is make sure that you're not using your home address if you have a home-based business for things like your licensing and professional associations and things like that, because all of that comes now to your home. If for some reason your mail is stolen or things like that are compromised, then now people know that, that you have a business out of your home and that type of thing. So there's a lot of different ways that users have just from the get-go to protect themselves when you're online and visiting websites and trying to get information about things, 
you know, all of the browsers for the most part are tracking your behavior now. That's why you'll suddenly start seeing ads pop up for the last search that you did in Google. And now you're in Facebook and it's suddenly advertising to you for patio furniture because you just did a search for that. So you can browse in an incognito mode. So that will protect that privacy. Don't give your personal information, meaning your email, name, phone number, things like that, just for informational purposes. A lot of websites require that information. They're like, oh, just give us this and then we'll give you X free thing, whether, yeah, it's, you know, a coupon or, a, you know, an ebook or things of that nature. You can protect your personal information that way as well. You can set up Change. another email account if you want to do that, but it's for those types of things, not like for your, you know what I mean? It's not like something that's tied close to you. It could have a different name or something on it, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can just set up what I, like I have a personal spam account and it's like blank name spam at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> you have a sense of humor about it. That's great. Of course. And, and that's what I use to sign up for those things. Like I really want the coupon, but I don't want suddenly a flood of all this stuff coming into my right mailbox and and that type of thing and so the the less places that have your personal information when we do have these data breaches the less likely your credentials are to be compromised uh, another thing that people don't understand like you know the most common password like in a business setting is admin oh or, you know, like I, the most I, common I, username oh, yeah. is like admin and the most common password is like one two three four five six right Hackers can hack into that in like less than a second or so password there are, <laughs> yeah there are password managers you can use like last pass is one um some of them have you know a free version and then others you know require a subscription service so you can use those that generate extremely complex passwords that it would literally take like over a hundred years for hackers to break. Okay. And, and if you don't have access to that, or if that's kind of beyond your technical, technical ability, you can just make sure that you use as complicated of, of a password as you can and use a different password for every website that you visit. Google Chrome is one of my favorite browsers to use. And it's not alone in the fact that it will generate automatic passwords for you, which are highly complex and very hard to hack. So okay. there, there, so the first part of, of regulation, as I said, is self-regulation, making sure you're doing everything as a user to ensure that your information is protected and your privacy is secure. Okay. I just jotted down some notes here about LastPass and Google Chrome. And for everybody who's listening, I do have... Laura's um, suggestions in the show notes, but I also have some other research on other aspects of this topic. I have a whole, like a, uh, another podcast, uh, Marketplace Tech about cybersecurity issues. And I have a bunch of other suggestions from different articles, like monitoring your credit and playing, placing a fraud alert on your credit report and some other things too, in case somebody does get to that information. So um, I don't think I interrupted you did I because I'm thinking I wanted to talk to you about multi-factor authentication I would love okay. to talk with you about multi-factor authentication but if I can quickly speak to something that you just talked about which is credit oh please 
Yes, I highly recommend Credit Karma. It's free and it constantly monitors my credit. It tells me when new inquiries happen. It tells me, you know, I get a weekly update of what's going on with my credit report. I also have a free credit monitoring service through AAA. It's incredibly useful because if somebody does somehow capture my identity or any of my credentials or is misusing or is using my cards or something without authorization, I'm going to know immediately. And so the sooner I can put a stop to that, the quicker I can mitigate my damages. Yep. And I recommend them to as well. Um, they're excellent and they really, they pay a lot of attention to that. So yeah, it's huge. And then the credit freeze thing is huge too. That's basically you're freezing the credit so that no one can try to get in there and use your credit without you knowing about it, which is helpful. So I do give everyone the links and the phone numbers for the different credit bureaus on how to do that in the show notes. Great. Thank you. I'm so glad you mentioned Credit Karma. I totally hadn't, um, didn't have it in mind. So I'm glad you said something. Of course. Okay. Um, and I'm going to just add in one more little tip. You know, when you like place a restaurant order and they have your name and phone number on the receipt, when you have your food, you might want to tear up those little receipts when you throw away your bags or your boxes, because you don't want your phone number being in the trash where somebody can find it. Right? That's a great point. And I actually shred anything that has my address on it. And for packages that come to my house, I actually scratch off all of the labels before I recycle those boxes and things into the trash. Yeah. See, you're smart. But the thing is, why would I mention that on a cybersecurity episode? Because when people um, get data, they steal data. Okay. Sometimes they don't have the full picture. So sometimes what they'll do is they'll try to data mine you like on a, a dating site or when they're fishing to try to get pieces of the data that are missing. So like if they can find your phone number, sometimes that's all they need to steal your identity. And that's why we're talking about their address, your phone number off of packages or off of restaurant receipts or anything that's going into the trash so that people can't get that information, fill in the blanks, get all of your information, like your social security number and everything else, and then sell it to somebody on the dark web. And then um, somebody steals your identity. So that's why I'm mentioning those things, even though this is a cybersecurity episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Ariel, 100%. I, I mean, I'm flabbergasted. I can't believe all the different ways people can try to steal our information. It's, it's breathtaking. Oh my gosh. Okay. So multi-factor authentication, what is it and why would we want to use it? Multi-factor authentication is a very protective way that many service providers use to ensure that you are in fact you. For users, it can be kind of annoying. It's that thing when you try to sign into something and then it's like, okay, we have to verify your identity by sending you a text. And it's like, I just want to sign into my bank account and see if this purchase went through, right? And so you're kind of pulling your hair out, like, why, why, why? Trust me, that few extra seconds is totally worth it. Because what that means is if someone has your computer, but you have your phone and they're trying to hack into your account, or even if they don't have your computer and they're remote hacking into your account, you're going to get a ping on your phone and you'll be like, I'm not trying to sign into Chase what's going on, right? So again, not only does it prevent them from getting in, it gives you notification that somebody is 
trying to get into your account so you can take protective measures. What does that mean? Call your bank immediately, tell them what's going on, and they will have a protocol in place that they will walk you through, or not just your bank, any whatever service provider they're trying to sign into will have a protocol in place that they will walk you through to ensure that that your credentials and your account and all of your information and things are protected. Well, I have a perfect example of that. So I um, I had signed up for Venmo. I think I'd signed up for Venmo and I don't think I had that switched on, okay? Mm-hmm. And like a few months later, I tried to sign in and I couldn't use my account. And there was a different phone number associated with my account. So somebody was using my Venmo account illegally for like, I don't know, six months or something. Wow. Um, and I had to, I, I, um, because a lot of these companies are automated and there are no people to talk to, it took me like seven tries to get through to an actual person to have a conversation like, hey, somebody's using my account without my permission. And if I think if I had had that switched on, I would have known that somebody mm-hmm. was trying to hack into my account and use my number. You you definitely would. And you bring up another point I'd like to make. There's something called the bank, bank statement rule. I'm also a recovering lawyer. I put recovering in quotes because I don't practice law anymore. But there is something called the bank statement rule, which basically says that It's a law that says if you don't check your bank account on a regular basis and check your bank statements, credit card statements, all those things on a regular basis, then you are liable for any unauthorized activity. So another way, yes, give me a minute. I need a minute to react to that. (laughs) If you hear me typing, it's because I'm typing it in the show notes. What? You don't check your bank statement or credit card statements. You're liable for any fraud on there. If you don't check them regularly, then there's a specific time frame. I think it might be like 60 days. Don't quote me on that because I don't know for sure. It's been a long time since I dealt with the bank statement rule. But the point is, you know, check your accounts. Everything's online now. You can access it from your phone. You can access it from your computer. Keep an eye on your online statements on all of your accounts. And, and again, be that first line of defense to anyone that is using your account without your authorization. Because the quicker you can discover it, the quicker you can mitigate damages and and prevent anything from going further. What I was going to say is banks can tell when you've checked your bank statements, they can tell that. How do they, how do you prove it? Like, how do they prove that you haven't been doing it for a while? I've never actually been involved in any litigation about that. So I don't know if that answer. I'm I'm interested. No, and it's a rhetorical question. Um, What I thought you knew everything, because you really (laughs) do. (laughs) But I mean, I wonder how they prove that. But the point is, you could be held liable. And if so, you have to pay attention to your your accounts. You got to pay attention. Um, A number of years ago, I had somebody do identity theft on one of my credit card accounts. And I told my landlord at the time. And when I mentioned it, somebody was doing on their accounts as well. So I know, I know it's crazy. So the multi-factor authentication is a pain, but it's totally worth the time, which is great. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get some more information about some of these things that we need to work on. So we're going to take a quick break. This podcast is sponsored by Hubbard Education Group, creating wellness through education. If you've wanted to learn about being an empath, healing, 
energy work, consciousness, or massage. We have online and in-person courses for you. Find us on Facebook at Hubbard Education Group. That's Hubbard Education Group. Or go to www.arielhubbard.com. That's www.arielhubbard.com. And if you're on Clubhouse, you can find Ariel Hubbard by looking up Ariel Hubbard, A-R-I-E-L-H-U-B-B-A-R-D. And we're back. All right. So, Laura, are there any other mistakes we're making that I haven't thought of to ask you about? (laughs) Because I don't even know that I don't know. (laughs) What other mistakes do people make online? I think one of the top mistakes that people make is twofold. It's, It's not educating themselves on what they can do as individuals to mitigate some of these things. And then it's if they do know that maybe feeling overwhelmed by it and not seeking out help, you know, from, I don't know, a cousin, a friend, someone who's a little bit more technical savvy than maybe a particular individual is to say, Hey, help me set this up because so that I can be protected. And I know I have those times too. My ego can get involved and I'm like, Oh, I don't know anything about this. I feel stupid. I don't want to ask for help. It's so important in this regard to ask for help. And what you were talking about earlier with the war in Ukraine, we are in a cyber war right now. There's no, and we have been for quite a while, much longer than most of the public realizes, but it's very much escalated right now. And so now is the time to really make sure that you reach out to whoever you need to, to help you get your, your decks in a row with respect to securing your own personal information and doing, doing your part in that locking mailboxes. It sounds ridiculous, but just like your physical mailbox, uh, people are stealing mail. They're stealing credentials. They're stealing checks, credit cards, social security cards, like anything that's in the mail. Um, and it's, it's a big problem. So secure your mail, not just by shredding it after the fact, but by making sure you have a secure place to receive your mail. You can you get a PO box for fairly inexpensively at the United States Postal Service. There are many options in that arena as well. Well, that's a really good point. And let's big picture this for a second. So what a lot of criminal organizations do is they take things like dating fraud, which is one of the biggest cyber crimes out there like it has been for a number of years hundreds of millions of dollars have been stolen they take that money and they fund that into arms deals or they take money and they fund it into drugs or they take the drug money and the the criminal money from dating and they funnel that into their governments so or their their criminal organizations so you know it starts with individuals but then they take all that money and then they funnel into much larger movements or terrorist organizations or governments it's it's a thing it's not just one individual person i mean literally during the during the pandemic the fbi said that hundreds of millions of dollars were stolen and nobody was actually dating that's blowing my mind even every time i think about that it's incredible so it starts with us as individual people so i was researching for this episode and i found out about these things called fido security keys so could you tell us more about those fido yes i haven't used them but i i have a basic understanding what it is it's actually a physical key so it's a tiny little key it looks like a little usb drive flash drive thing that you carry around but it's actually security 
it's a it's a physical security key that works with your phone. And so in order to access any, um, you know, particular websites or things like that in your phone, you would have to have the phone, whatever biometrics or other way that you get into your phone phone activated, right? Correct. You, whatever you're utilizing to get into your phone, you would have to have all of those things plus this actual physical key. And they use it for computers too. Correct. So you can have a FIDO key for your computer, any, any type of electronic phone, iPad, computer, other type of tablet, those types of things. They're not very expensive either. No. Nope. The other thing um, I know that I found with online is phishing. So phishing is when someone tricks you into divulging your password or other key information. And a lot of times people get emails from sites that look like they're real, like they, they pretend to be your bank. And they're, oh, there's something wrong with your account and you need to respond so that you don't lose all your money. And of course, when you respond, you lose all your money. (laughs) Right. So my suggestion there, and actually this happened to a friend of mine recently, but they fished her over the phone, is if someone calls you, emails you, text messages you in any way claims to be your bank, your dentist, your doctor, your whatever it might be utility companies utility utility companies seeking to get your information even if they say they're the police they thank you for calling i will call you back and go and utilize the trusted number that you have for that resource you know call the number on the back of your credit card call the local non-emergency police department whatever it might be just thank them Get off the phone, ignore the email, um, and pick up the phone and call the trusted number that you have for that provider. That's the best way that you can do that. Also, with respect to phishing, uh, sort of one that comes under the radar is uh, on social media is friend requests. A lot of people's profiles get hacked, and then you're getting a friend request. If you get a friend request and you're like, wait, I'm already friends with that person, Don't accept another friend request. Reach out to the account that you already have with them, know that that you know is a trusted account and say, hey, what's going on? Did you set up a new account? 99% of the time, you're going to find out that they didn't and that it's an actual nefarious actor, bad actor that's trying to fish you and and get some information out of you. Yes. I've told hundreds of people over the years about this, literally, like- I've had that happen hundreds of times. Yeah, I've had it happen to me too. And just random people requesting me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. I don't know them. And a lot of times if we have mutual friends or something, I'll reach out and say, hey, you know, how do we know each other? Thanks, thanks for the connection request. And if they're not legit, they disappear. So 90% of the time they disappear. And I was reading recently specifically with, this was an article specific to Facebook that the number one type of hacked accounts is accounts of deceased people. Right. I know it's not, it's not only morbid, but here's the thing, you know, sometimes we keep those accounts open because we want to memorialize our loved ones. Right. We want to still kind of keep that connection with people that are no longer with us. Wow. That's mind blowing. It really is. And I also think, I think if I'm wrong, uh, let me know, but I think that if someone dies, you may not be able to get that thing switched off either. I've heard that as well, or read it somewhere. That Um, used to be true, but Facebook specifically has also implemented a legacy 
setting in your privacy settings. Now you can go and designate someone to be the person, basically they inherit your account if you die and they can be the person to control that account and, and do whatever needs to be done with it after you pass. And haven't you noticed, but Facebook keeps changing where you find these settings and how you switch them on and off. And it changes all the time. So it is hard to find those settings. I mean, you have to sometimes go two or three screens down to find like something like a legacy setting. See, I didn't even know about that. So I'm so glad you mentioned it. Yeah, of course. And I agree with you. User interfaces, which is what you're talking about, that user interface of trying to find things and trying to find settings does often change with many apps just because of design trends and trying to give the user a better experience. But typically, and I'm just checking Facebook here while we're talking, typically there's a search function. Oh, okay. So and I'm not, I didn't know that. Uh, for you that. should be able to search the settings to find what you're looking for. Okay. Great. That's super helpful. Okay. So I've got another question for you. So what are your top three suggestions for someone who's very new to dealing with technology to learn for learn about security? Like if somebody wanted to learn about security, what could they study? Or are there any websites that are good for this? Do you have any suggestions? YouTube does have a lot of really cool videos on how to do things. And when you have a question about how to use tech, that's where I go. Because you can get some good information. How, how do I whatever it is, find the security settings on Facebook. You probably could find a video about that actually. And just about anything you can think of, if you don't know how to do it, go to YouTube and see if you can find it. But be aware that sometimes information's out of date or it's not always accurate. So just know it's not gonna be perfect, but YouTube is a good place to go if you're looking. Um, at least that's my experience of working with things like this. I agree with you. And because I work in the industry, you know, I'm, I'm always learning these things and looking at resources and reading articles. I haven't really had a need to look at kind of what would the everyday user just kind of starting out, what would they want to go look at and find? But yes, there are great resources on YouTube, probably on LinkedIn as well. Your local Better Business Bureau probably has some resources as well. Okay, that's great. Okay, I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. Sure. And if I come up with any better or good resources, I will happily send them your way as which well. Right. Because I can always update the show notes, which is not a problem. So LinkedIn, and I like the Better Business Bureau idea too. That's great. So I'm again, I'm typing in some notes here because I want to make sure um, people have that as well. Um, and then, I mean, I just for everybody, I want to give you that shout on YouTube with your series called the Diaries of a Data-Driven Culture. You have some really good tips in there. Um, everyone, I would definitely recommend that you check that out to everybody. Um, is there like a way that they can find that on YouTube? Do they just type in your name or is there a way for people to, to find those? I mean, I put the links in the show notes, but is there another way if they happen to be on YouTube? Could they just look up something? If, they, pro if they looked for the title, Diaries of a Data-Driven Culture, uh, they could find it that way, yes. Okay, okay. Awesome. That's so great. Is there anything else that you could think of that you might want to warn us about? I mean, there's so many different things, guys. Seriously, there's email, right? There's, there's social media, right? 
there's making sure your data isn't stolen or don't give people your contact information. Watch out when you're on dating sites. Don't let your mail, you know, be taken. Make sure your, your mailbox is locked. Scratch out the, the uh, shipping addresses on packages. Don't let them get receipts or um, with your phone number on them. Uh, I would also be careful in when you're in Starbucks, Mm-hmm. And you're doing work on your computer in Starbucks. If you don't have an API key for a security key, people can read what you're doing on your computer from their computer. If they right. have the right. Right. Yeah. And you want to do the same thing like on planes. You can also get a privacy screen. So what it does is it covers up your screen so that you can see it. But if someone next to you is looking at it, they won't actually be able to read your screen, which is, is really that like helpful. a physical thing. That's not a, a physical reason. thing. That's a oh, physical okay. thing. But yeah, you want to utilize private networks as much as possible. If you are in Starbucks and you know you're using their app to pay for your drink or something like that, and you're on your net, their network or you're reading your Kindle or things like that, you're probably okay. But doing actual personal things, if you're typing in credentials to get onto your bank account or anything like that during the time that you're typing those credentials, a hacker can actually pick that up over a public network. And what do, what do they call it? Um, when, you know, you have an RIFD, is that what it's called? Um, like a wallet to the people have these swiper things where they can walk by you and get your credit card numbers, lifting it right out of your wallet. Like they can get the numbers. Yeah. There's a lot of things going on with RIFD. They can actually unlock, they can access your key fob to your car inside of your house now and unlock your car in your driveway and things like that. So they suggest there's special boxes that you can buy like on Amazon to put your keys and things in at night or when you're not using your car so that people can't get into it and steal it from the driveway. Wow. Yes. It's, uh, (laughs) there's just, there are so many things as we're in this information age that, we can do to protect ourselves. Wow. <laughs> what would you call that? Is that an RIFD box for your keys? Is that the name of it? So the I people, don't know the name of it. I'll bet you know, oh, you know what? I'll bet if we went on Amazon, you just do a search. I'll bet yes, you guys- it, it is. It's an RIFD box for keys. Okay. $17.99 at Amazon. <laughs> wow. Uh to protect your key fob okay so also it's not just for your car guys you know how we get costco key fobs with your your gas information like your payment information so you can get your gas you know again you don't want somebody with an rifd reader to read that so yeah if we can think of these things off the top of our heads what do you think that criminals can do (laughs) that's pretty crazy everybody so Wow, Laura, you have been extremely helpful and informative. I'm so appreciative of your time and your expertise. Thank you for doing this out of the goodness of your heart. And if people want to reach you, they need to reach you through me, correct? That would be my preference, yes. Okay. So if you guys want to reach Laura, you need to reach out to me. I will be her gatekeeper. And <laughs> you're my RA, RFID box. I'm and your RIFD. <laughs> so I thought I was the gate master. What is the key master? And you're the gate. Yeah, I'm your RIFD key box. So I'm your key master and you're the gatekeeper. Okay. Oh, guys. I thought of one other thing, Ariel. Oh, yes, um, please. 
specific to dating, well, not just specific to dating, but if you're giving your number out in business, if you have a business that you're running, if you're on online dating apps, get a free Google voice number. No kidding. Because people can get so much information about you if they Google your cell phone, especially if you've had a cell phone number for a long time um, and you've been in business and you've done business with that number. Like if I put my phone number into Google, forget about it. Like people know way more than I want them to know about me. So it's so worth it to just get a Google voice number and it, you can download the Google voice app into your phone. It functions just like a regular phone other than you can't do video calls. But uh, other than that, and I mean, there are other platforms to do that and retain your privacy. Mm-hmm. No, it's, and honestly, that's probably one of the most important tips. I'm so glad you said it. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know, because I, I did that uh, years ago. And the thing is the things that people will, like I have a computer that calls me twice a day now off my Google voice, because probably some guy that asked me for my number when I was dating, sold it to somebody. Um, the thing is also on with online dating, um, when someone tries to pressure you to get on Google Hangouts, they try to get on Kick, which yeah, don't get me started about Kick, um, some kind of app or they try to get your cell phone number without knowing anything about you, they're probably data mining, meaning they're trying to get your data and they wanna sell it. They're not there to date you. They're, it's not because they're excited to meet you. They want your data for some reason. So always be suspicious of that, but give them a Google voice number so that they cannot use an app to track everything. It's scary. They can take your phone number. They can find out who your family members are. They can find out your credit. They can find out if you had bankruptcies, if you have a criminal record, where you live, where you've lived in the past, and probably eventually your social security number. So follow Laura's advice, get a Google voice number for business or dating. It's huge. So, wow. So many different things. I popped that in the show notes too. So we can make sure that people can read this later. There's a lot of great information in the show notes. Laura, I'm really appreciative. Thank you so much. Just these few important tips, I think are really going to help our listeners a lot. So thank you for joining me today, Laura. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. You bet. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us today. Remember to move with your power and into your magnificence. You're awesome. Thanks so much. Are you experiencing overwhelm, frustration, stress, or anxiety? Do you need help with insomnia? Well, contact Ariel Hubbard at Hubbard Health Solutions. Ariel offers 25 modalities to help you move forward. You can deal with the pandemic and still experience balance and calm. Contact Ariel at arielhubbard.com. That's arielhubbard.com.